Welcome to the Opinionated Optimist Podcast, the podcast that reviews anything that's worth reviewing. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Opinionated Optimist Podcast. I'm your host, Brian. If you've listened to the podcast before, you know, movies are my life, my pastime. I love doing movie reviews, but the last few episodes have been very fortunate to get local Savannah theater and actors to uh, show us the inside of the Savannah film industry. Uh, this episode, uh, also <clears throat> very fortunate to get a local Savannah actor, Anthony Vance Pierce. He's star of Sage Television and Movies. Uh, with great pleasure, I'd like to introduce Anthony Vance Pierce. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. So glad to be here. How you doing tonight? Oh, I'm enjoying every day of my life. Oh, sweet. Um, so to start off, just tell the uh, audience a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Well, I'm originally from New Jersey. Don't hold that against me. <laughs> I'm not going back up to the cold. I love it down here in the south in Georgia and Florida. I was a lifelong college football coach uh, for a very long time and got out of it after helping in Savannah. And uh, that's when I started moving into the movie industry a little bit. Okay. So uh, you said you coached. Uh, are you able to say who you coached for? Or Oh, yeah. I coached at University of Pittsburgh. I coached okay. everybody. All, all the old school guys know Tony Dorsett. Well, oh, yeah. I coached Tony Dorsett's son, Anthony, at Pittsburgh with Johnny Majors, former oh, wow. tennis All-American. I moved to West Virginia from there, coached a two-time All-American running back, famous Amos, moved to Wake Forest, then coached for UGA a couple of years before I got to Alabama State, and I was helping out a friend in Savannah State. That's what really brought me to Savannah. Okay. And turn over there, and everything happened with asking questions when things started happening on the news about being a background actor and things like that, asking what is that? And that's what that's what got it started. So uh, to get started, did you have to do any special training or were you just at the right place at the right time and just got you know, spotted by an agent? Well, well, for me, I was actually, after I stopped coaching, I was watching the news and uh, on the news they said, hey, the Baywatch movie needs some background extras. And I said, what's that? <laughs> I, you know, went on the site and put in my headshot and my clothes sizes and height and weight and all that stuff and got a call two days later and said, hey, we love you be a detective in our police office scene. I was like, fine, okay. So they asked me to come down to the convention center. I didn't know what it was about, who was in it. And I had looked like a detective, gave me my badge and my, my fake prop gun and told me to go up to the police office station that they had set up waited 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 for about 15 minutes and all of a sudden I start hearing these voices that one sound familiar and the rock and Zach Efron comes walking out so mm -hmm. I'm on I'm, I'm no longer coaching and I'm like god what are you doing I'm supposed to be coaching and I'm now with the rock and Zach Efron what's going on here and that's it, when the transition began so were you a little awestruck because I mean Tony Dorsett so you've seen stars your whole life so is it any different to seeing you know a a kid with potential that you know is going to be a huge star in the NFL versus the rock. Who's like the biggest star right now. Well, it was a little more shocked, but I heard that you're supposed to be professional on set and not ask for autographs. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm one of them like him, then I should be professional. So it was a little different, you know, it was nice being around a Tony Dorsett's and people like that, but it was also cool knowing that the rock had played at university of Miami. 
Right. And now that his TV show came on, uh, Young Rock, and it goes through his story about his parents, his dad, his career at Miami, trying to hold, catch on with a pro football team like I did when I, I played at Gettysburg College. I knew I was going to be in the NFL. I signed with a small team called the USFL, the Philadelphia Stars, which they have a new USFL right, right now. So I can really feel what The Rock was going through when the coach called him in and said, bring your book. <laughs> We're about to cut you. Go and try out in Canada. You know, Canadian team was looking at me. I had to try it with the Giants. So it was cool knowing, didn't have to talk with Rock, but just knowing his football background. Okay, and then that football background, the uh... – I guess the fight, you said, you know, continue to make the teams. Obviously, that's got to be beneficial when it comes to being an actor. Uh, you you know, you have no quit in you. So that obviously has got to help you when it comes to the parts. You're not going to take a no. You're going to do what you need to get that role, right? Oh, that's in our blood. That's in our blood. When you're going after things, that's what you're made of. So, it's, yeah, that is cool. Okay. Um, can you tell the audience any uh, movies or TV shows you've been in? I did a bunch of uh, several SCAD movies, um, you know, in, in Savannah. I started out in Atlanta with this uh, short movie called Queen of Kings, which was I played the Pharaoh Tutmos. And it was pretty cool because it was uh, my daughter, who was the warrior, wanted to be the next Pharaoh, but I couldn't let her do that because she was a female. So my knucklehead son was a knucklehead, but because he was a male, and they ended up battling in that short movie and she ended up taking him out. So it was pretty good. Yasmin Neal up in Atlanta did that, directed that. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know, I did good parliament with SCAD. These are all speaking roles. Broken was a Savannah 48 hour film festival, got a nomination for best actor in that. Okay. Uh, other movies that I was in, I was in a movie called A Dark Place which um, I'm sure you know the director who did the King's Speech. Okay. He directed that movie also. I didn't have a speaking role, but I had a facial feature in that. I was the hooded man on the bridge, you know. So um, did Broken, First Orphan, Gunshots, a couple of other SCAD movies and uh, TV shows. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy when you're on, on a TV show and you're a cop. You know, I get the FBI, CIA, Secret Service cop look a lot. Okay. So you're a prison transport guard and you go in, open a door up and you grab a woman and take her out to get ready to walk her into the prison. And it's Jessica Beal. Oh, wow. And you think I'm holding the wife of Justin Timberlake. <laughs> so just just crazy things like that. Being on set with Sanaa Latham, Tyler Perry, um, Queen Latifah. I was a police officer in her TV show Star. So, you know, all that just. It's crazy, but you really want to focus on being one of them, not being starstruck when people say, well, did you get your autographs? No, I didn't get their autographs. I'm one of them, you know, so really working to be, uh, get your craft in a position where you can get more speaking roles. I, I have an agent right now and, um, you know, that that's the most important thing now going after speaking roles. Right. Uh, weren't you also on uh, Ozark, too? Yeah, I was in that. Again, I think I was an FBI agent in right. that. Uh, I was a warden with uh, Terry on CBS, the inspectors. And, and I, as I started out, I started noticing that I was getting booked for my face a lot. 
um, 24 Legacy. I'm on national TV, but no speaking role. But I'm getting booked for that look of being tough, being secret service agent, being FBI agent, being tough. And I started thinking, okay, well, this guy is making a lot of money and I'm, you know, they're using my face. Maybe it's time for me to start doing something where that money is coming in. And yeah, obviously, you know, that's from having lines. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what you want to go for is lines. If it's a one line, two line, three line, that doesn't matter. Just get the lines. Yeah. I was going to say that. So I was like, so basically no parts too small. It just you get the exposure, correct? Yeah, get the exposure. That's where the kids over at SCAD come in. You know, they offer you an opportunity to do short movies. And they give you lines, you know, when you get booked for a lead role in one of their short movies, they don't pay you, but they feed you when you're there. And then they give you a copy of their uh, video and you can add that to your reel. And that's where you're able to create your reel. Okay. You, know, you get two or three of those put together and you want to have a reel of your speaking roles of what you can do. So people can uh, look at your reel should no, not be any longer than a minute long. So they can look at you, see what they think of you in the uh, role that they're thinking about casting you in. And uh, you have speaking lines. They hear you as a pharaoh. They hear you if you can play an accent of a pharaoh. Okay. My daughter, my daughter, what are you doing? You are a warrior, you know. So or or, you know, you're you're a veteran and I'm I'm not a veteran. I had like I've mentioned to you, I have an army son and an air force son. But in the role that I played in um, Broken, um, you know, I was going through some PTSD mo- moments and my wife dropped a glass and that glass exploded on the floor and it just set me off. Mm-hmm. So now when you have those lines and they see that they feel the anger and they feel, uh, you know, your your emotion. It's like a range of emotion. Exactly. Oh, man. And, and when we shot that, because that football coaching voice. I was there hollering at my wife and when we stopped and we cut and we then started up again and I had to raise my voice again and we cut and then I turned around and the director and uh, the writers were several of them were female and they were back there crying and I said oh my goodness I'm sorry I apologize I didn't mean to do that but obviously you know sometimes it brings up things that you've experienced in your past when you get that emotional okay but um yeah that that was good have you experienced a role that was like too emotional yet to perform or um not too emotional there are some roles that i turned down because of uh i guess your your belief in how you would be as a father there was one role that i the guy wanted me to audition for And my son was about to leave for college, about to go play college football. And he screwed up. He got into trouble. And they wanted me to call him the N-word. Oh, whoa. And and call MF, MF, my son, and call him N-word and you bit and everything. Mm -hmm. And I said, listen, I don't even talk that way to my own kids. And that's a little bit too much that I was not going to go on a stage or TV or movie and have people seeing me call some young man those words. So yeah, I wasn't going to go through that. But some some roles do get emotional. Like I mentioned, that one in Broken was very emotional. Uh, The role that I had in the scab movie, A Good Parliament, as Tom is gone, you know, my wife was having an affair. I was trying to hire this uh, 
detective to follow her, not knowing that she was having the affair with the detective. <laughs> oh, gee. So that got a little crazy when I went after him and uh, chased them down the street. <laughs> now, I know you already mentioned SCAD or the Savannah College of Art and Design. Are you able to talk a little bit to how valuable that university is to just the Savannah economy altogether? How they've renovated, you know, downtown with all the old buildings they've redone? Right, right, right. Well, it's so valuable to the students there, first of all, to have that type of opportunity to do a senior thesis. And when we're there as actors to really see them as professionals, you know, not to see them as little college kids because every SCAD movie I've done, 48 hour film festival, especially the SCAD movies, the, all the kids have been professional. Okay. They almost think they're getting paid thousands of dollars to do what they were doing, very serious. Obviously they wanted a great grade and uh, it was gonna have their name attached to the project. So that's invaluable to be able to work with them. Um, also, just like I mentioned earlier, the opportunity to get speaking roles. When I first started asking people about it, that's the first thing they said, hey, you wanna look for SCAD opportunity because you've been uh, cast, you've gotten headshots, you got facial features, you've been on uh, TV and movies with um, top actors, A-list actors, Michael Caine, Forrest Whitaker, um, you know, so you want to talk to the SCAD students and audition for them to try to get a speaking role with them. Okay. So, like I mentioned, even though they don't pay, that's invaluable to be able to get on tape, on video, on camera and have a speaking role so people can hear what you sound like. Right. And you get that valuable. If they don't hear, um, they don't hear what you sound like, you'll never get a speaking role. You get that valuable on job training, too, don't you? Yeah, very valuable on-job training. So when it comes to contacting SCAD and for these roles, is there like an audition website they have or want ads? And well, they, they, they usually post on Actors Access, just like the other professionals do, or they'll post on Facebook. And when you see it, you, you uh, go ahead and, and send in your headshot and and put in your height, weight, and all your information, just like you would do on a normal a professional casting site. Okay. And they send you the audition lines and they expect you to know your lines and be off book. And then they bring you in, especially if you, since you're in town, they bring you in and you go through your lines and you have to compete with everyone else. Okay. Because there are people, other actors out there who want to get speaking roles also. So even though it's the, the SCAD students, it's still very, very important. And very you're very excited to be booked for those speaking roles. And the uh, 24 hour, no, excuse me, 48 hour film festival. Can you describe what that's about for anybody that's never heard about it? Woo they're, they're about to have another, the next one in Savannah in August, I think 11th and 12th of the weekend. That's pretty crazy. Cause I did my first one. Anthony Paderewski is the guy in Savannah. He, okay. he runs it, does a great job with a couple of other people. Um, but what happens is you meet on a Friday, they give you a theme, they give you a couple of things that you can use in the movie. So for our movie, Broken, someone in every movie, and you have about 25 teams, so each team has to have, at that time for when we did Broken, each team had to use a salesman or saleswoman, salesperson. They had to use a theme, who died and made you king. Mm -hmm. And then they sometimes you have to wear a particular hat or a tie or something like that. And that's all they give you. 
And then you go with your team and the writers start writing oh, wow. about what it's going to be about in a couple of hours. They put some uh, script together and then your team right there, they start deciding who would best fit those roles. So you don't know if you're going to end up in front of the camera or behind the camera. Oh, wow. I was fortunate enough to get booked um, as Luke Beardsley and, and Broken. And, um, you know, that was just so, like I mentioned before, so emotional. But you go ahead and get the script that you have. And the director starts uh, directing the, the, the scenes. And you just go ahead with it. So everyone has their role. Some people end up behind the camera, like I mentioned. But by Sunday afternoon, everyone must have their copy, their, their finished product in to Anthony and his team, Anthony Praderuski and his team, before I think 8 p.m. Sunday night. And if you get it in one minute late, it's no good. They reject oh, wow. it. So it's important for you to have a finished product and get it in and you don't hardly get any sleep, a couple hours sleep. And then you, usually we sleep in the same facility that we're shooting at. We, we, actually, we actually shot that over at the firehouse over in uh, Bluffton, uh, South Carolina, right over the bridge. So we had a friend who was in it with us who he was a, he's a, a, a fireman over there. So he was able to get permission for us to use that. So, and um, you know, and, and the great thing about it is that Anthony and his team, they look at every short movie. Then a couple of weeks later, they, we pick out a film, a, a theater in Savannah. Everybody goes to see every movie if you wanna pay to see it. And then at the end of it, they pick out best movie, best writer, best director, um, best actor, best actress, so on. So it's very professional. I'm so proud of what they're doing in Savannah right now. So they show, you say shows at any theater? Because I know SCAD loves to use the Lucas Theater there in downtown. Yes, they use a Lucas. Um, I know we, we were using the, the one year we used, the, I think, the Children's Theater over on Route 80. Mm -hmm. um, gosh. Oh, this year, you know where they're watching it? What was that? Tybee Theater out on Tybee Island. Oh, cool. But that's going to be very extra special. So can the uh, general public get uh, tickets to yep. this? Yep. Everyone can get tickets to it. Awesome. Do they give the proceeds to anything like to SCAD or any like a charity like St. Jude's? Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure what they do with the proceeds. Okay. So since you mentioned the sports and all, um, what do you do hobby-wise to stay in shape? Do you, like, do dancing or any kind of running? Oh, I love dancing. You know, they have uh, that Salchada Nights out at, uh, near the airport, <laughs> the place out near Savannah Airport. They mm -hmm. have Salsa Bachata. Uh, I've taken uh, ballroom dance lessons there with Savannah Ballroom. Um, I love dancing. I ran a half marathon in Savannah Half Marathon. I was ready to run a full marathon this November, but then it got canceled. Right. So running, lifting, keeping in shape. If you don't do it, I sell life insurance. So I see a lot of people who um, are in very bad shape. Right. So you want to make sure you take care of your body because if you don't, no one else is. Very true. Um, yeah, the, the Savannah, the half marathon, does that go over the bridge as well? Because I know there's a bike race over the bridge as well. No, the, the marathon doesn't go over the bridge. Okay. Usually uh, ran up um, the highway and back, whatever 26 miles is. The half marathon kept us in town. So we ran through town, ran through several neighborhoods, 
and just crossed town and kept us right there. That was that's only 13.2 miles. Okay. So he figured out 13.2 miles within the streets of Savannah. All wow. And you said uh, the dancing came in uh, pretty well. Now, you actually used that for a scene in Living the Dream, correct? On the Tybee Pier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We out on the Tybee Pier. And they, they needed some uh, swing dancers. And uh, the shag dance that I uh, used to go to on Wednesday nights there um, in Savannah, that, that's very similar. So we were able to be on the pier right there and dancing. I, I love dancing. It's just uh, not only to keep me in shape, but just the enjoyment of life. Like I mentioned, I'm really enjoying every day of my life. Right. Um, I college, I danced in two 28-hour dance marathons in college. Oh, wow. That's crazy. The first time after I did it, I was with Delma Rivera. She was a cheerleader. I was a football player. And then I swore that I would never do it again until Mary Pat asked me to do it again. And you don't say no to Mary Pat. <laughs> so that, yeah. So whenever there's a TV show, um, not, not only did uh, we dance on the pier in Living the Dream, but there was a scene with Kim Fields in Living the Dream where we were outside and she came walking by and there was some music on and I just started dancing with Kim Fields. She's from New Jersey also. Oh, wow. And she just stopped. That wasn't really a part of the scene, but she just stopped and started dancing and they kept it in. So that's pretty cool. It's a little ad that they paid off for you there. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know you said you also filmed around Charleston too. Have you done any like shag dress dancing there as well? No, I know shag dancing is up and down the coast, but I haven't been in any projects where I've had to dance in Charleston. I think I, the only projects I've done so far in Charleston was that on CBS with the inspectors. I was a warden on that show. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, I didn't realize it was that big here in Savannah. I know in Charleston, it's huge. That's, that's where my parents grew up at. And they all do oh. the shag dance and they're yeah. on the beach. Did your parents dance? A little bit. I'm just growing up, just being kids and all. So, yeah. Uh, I was there on a, was it, Folly Beach and Isle of Palms. Isle of Palms is another big one, too. There's right, right. Part of the North Carolina. They they have big shag meetings every summer wow. where thousands of people get together and go ahead and do their shag stuff. It's pretty crazy. No, if you if you ever need, I know um there was one project we were at a dinner. Can't remember the name of the project, but they asked us to dance and we actually just did the box trot which is a nice slow dance. And uh, they eventually didn't put it in the project, so I didn't make that cut. Yeah, um, when it comes to, like you said, things that get cut out, are you disappointed or are you just, you know, happy you had the opportunity and, you know, maybe next time you'll be... No, no, no. you always want to be in the, the, the TV show. When you get cut out, that's very disappointing. Right. Because you put in hard work, you, you showed up on time, you, you were excited about the people who were in the, the project. Um, so you always want to be in it. That's why I, I like mentioning about The Rock because I was with him in that my first project in Baywatch. And then I asked them after that if I could be in other scenes. They said, yeah, we need people on the beach. I was in the beach scene. I was in the uh, yacht scene. They rented this $25 million yacht. Guy brought it up from Miami right there in Savannah. And um, you know, so that was pretty cool. And then I went ahead and ended up coaching soccer against the rock oh, wow. in, in fate of the furious oh, wow. at, at the beginning of the movie 
he's coaching his daughter's soccer team. They're in the red. I'm the coach of the Monarchs. We're in the pink. So they don't show me a lot. And sure mm-hmm. enough, you know, they're going to let the rock beat me. But nice. uh, yeah, I coached girls soccer against the rock in that movie. And speaking of the rock, aren't you in his new one, Black Adam, too, as a part? I, I'm in Black Adam. I can't say too much about it. Right. Um, it's coming out in October. And uh, I think it's going to be a great one. You know, yeah, the rock new does it. Incredible. It's going to be like a worldwide event. So pretty good. Uh, well, so I know you can't talk much about it, but what's it like just being on a, on a Marvel production? It's just huge. Yeah, I think when you're in it, you understand how huge it is. And that's why you're set to be professional and they tell you to be quiet, stay over there. (laughs) You know, here's your lines. This is your role. And I think, you know, in in the acting field right now, it's just so great because people are so professional and everyone is so helpful. So as you're learning, when you're not on set, you can be in holding and ask people questions about what you can do next. Who's the, who's your agent? Who are you using? You know, how do you get booked so quickly? You know, just different things. How do you remember your lines? Um, Just different things that you want to learn each and every time you get on set. Um, You know, you don't want to disturb the stars or anyone like that, but usually when we're in the holding, everyone is great and um, want to learn from each other and you meet each other. Um, I was on set with Cindy Copeland in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Cindy's an Atlanta actress and doing a great job. She also directs. But we met when we were on Snapped, <laughs> the, the TV drama show Snapped. We were both detectives. And then we met and we've been communicating. And she just had a function a couple of weekends ago where she brought in Jerry Farber, who's a no well-known comedian around Atlanta and he's in Columbus and actually in Columbus this Thursday night and other movie industry people where you can just network and meet people and things like that. So it's pretty cool. So we had one of those in Savannah uh, about a month and a half ago, you know, Anthony Paderewski, William Mark McCullough and William Mark is blowing up. We can't believe it, but you know, that's what he set his goals on. And he's always sharing with us some of his trade secrets that, that that's what he set his goal for was to be on set with Tom Cruise and American made, you know, so just, he was in hillbilly elegy, um, you know, so just being around people like that, who want to give us acting classes and say, Hey, this is how I made it. Okay. You know, that, that's key. That that's big. Anthony Paderewski does our headshots, does acting classes. He's a scene scouter for the whole area of Savannah and uh, Tybee. So it's just uh, amazing to be able to network with these people and continue to grow this career that I didn't even think I was going to be in (laughs) being a football coach. But now I I think it's something that you show young people and other people that you never say no. You always believe that you can do anything. You know, if someone says, well, can you be a life insurance agent? You don't say, well, that's not for me. Oh, yes, I can. How do I do it? Right. Do you think that you can be an actor? Oh, that's not for me. I don't think I can get in front of people. Yes, you can. The brain, the mind is very powerful. Just ask, how do you do it? That's that's how I started out watching the news. What's that? How do I do it? And I just followed the directions. And now you network and get an agent and start going after more uh, speaking roles. And hopefully one day just 
happens for you because you believe that you're one of them. Right. Okay. So yeah, take the small part, get seen, make friends, do your job well, get a mm-hmm. mind full, and it just goes from there, right? That's right. That's right. And I obviously have the positive attitude, the, the can-do attitude, and everything always works out. The story of life, anybody that's made anything, they've got to, you know, just put the pants on the morning, get out there and be an adult, right? Make it happen. Exactly. You know, th- this is a life that you have to grab, literally. Yeah, nothing's going to be given to you. You got to take it, right? You can't sit around at home playing video games and expect your life to happen. Right. You have to jump out. And, and usually I say jump, excuse me, with two feet because you just can't put your toe in the water either. Right. You jump and let go of the shore. If you want to swim with the big boys, you have to let go of the shore and go out in the deep water. Right. That's that's where all the action happens out there. Yeah, I definitely agree. But there's too many people these days that don't give it their all. They exactly put their toe in the water and the first sign of difficulty, they back away. That's why they don't succeed in life. Well, what we've been taught and learned, we've been taught to run away from fear. Okay. Evidence appearing real. Well, you have to learn that you don't run away from fear. You have to go through fear to get to success. Right. Success is on the other side of fear. You learn so much and you grow so much and you're strengthened so much by those moments of wanting to quit and saying, I can't do this, but you keep walking and you jump. Like I mentioned with two feet and then all of a sudden you're on the other side going, wow, what an experience. Would you ever do that again? You're darn right. I would Yeah. look at all the thousands of people over sitting on the sidelines. Exactly. And a lot of people too, they're, you know, they're afraid to fail. They don't realize failure is not a bad thing. It teaches you how to, you they're learning experiences basically when you say. Well, that's why it's important to get around the right people. Right. If you're around five people, you're going to be around the, the closest five people that are near you. And if they're quitters, if they're naysayers, or they're saying you won't get that part, if you're saying you can't remember your line, you need to get away from those people and learn how to network, even if you have to branch out on your own and ner- network with the people who are saying, this is how I did it. Right. This is what you can do. This is the trade secret that we all do. And you have to be willing to, again, go through that fear to get to the success, to be around the people who are successful because they've already been through what you've been through. And one thing I love about people is there's always someone willing to help. Right. If you just say, just like in football, coach, hey, how did you make that ball spiral, that football spiral? It's not shaped like a baseball instead of throwing it like a curveball. Well, you don't throw with your thumb going outwards. You make it spiral by throwing, releasing, and your thumb coming down. That's how you get the, the quarterbacks to throw that spiral right there. So you, you get new coaches on every set that help you. So that's the great thing about it. Okay. And also, too, like you said, uh, the achievements, too, that always give you something to realize, you know, I was scared at the time, but look, look what I achieved when I actually believed in myself, right? That's right. That's right. Can you, can you imagine William Mark McCullough? who was a lawyer in Los Angeles and left being a lawyer to do this, to do this, to become an actor. You talk about jumping with two feet. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And then to land a role, a speaking role with Tom Cruise. Oh my goodness. And then to be in the scene 
and Hillbilly Elegy with Glenn Close. You're talking about jumping that paid off, and he's oh, yeah. not yet. If I, if you, I don't know Mark 100%, but I know that man is not done yet. So I'm trying to grab onto his cloth and Anthony Paderewski and anyone else who let me hold on to Rock, anyone else, Dwayne Johnson, and anyone else who let me hold on to take it to the sky. Yeah. And also, too, I guess, I mean, stuck upon that to the sports studio, you know, being a coach, you know, you know how to build a team. So you see the key players, you know, you know, block for Tony Dorsett. He's going to get you in the end zone, right? <laughs> that's that's right. And again, that's the reason why I think Rock, the Rock is so successful. Dwayne Johnson is so successful. Um, I think one of his companies is called $7 or $11, whatever he yeah. had in his pocket when he was 21 years of old age. And uh, the struggles that he went through, his dad being a professional wrestler and the struggles that he went through, he's not going to live that way anymore. Yeah, he, He's killing it every day. He, as soon as he finishes one project, he's on to another project. You know, so it, it, he understands that team frame, that teamwork that you need. Um, just from playing ball at, in high school and at University of Miami and the Canadian team that he was on and the NFL team that he was on for a sh very short time. He understands that teamwork, that mindset, that everyone has their role, everyone has their part. Now let's be professional. Let's get it done. Let's win. Right. Yeah, I remember hearing a story about him when he was Canadian football. I mean, he was so poor, he actually had to get a uh, mattress out of the dumpster. <laughs> That's how, like, focused he was to, you know, hey, I'm oh my I'm dedicated, dedicated, you know, I'm going to make this happen. But how many actors do a, lot, a TV show and really explain what your life was like living, growing up? Yeah. His dad struggling with wrestling and jobs and selling out of his band and his mom's concern and her fears and her worries. Mm -hmm. You know, he really showed a lot. He didn't, I'm sure he held back that we didn't need to see everything, but he showed so much because I'm a father. My dad, my, my dad also struggled with alcoholism growing up. You know, uh, my dad, and I loved my dad. He was great. Everybody loved him. He played the guitar. He was always the life of the party, but he struggled. And that's what Rock wanted us to see that there are families that just struggle. Right. Need to be praying for each other, trying to pick each other up. And uh, again, just uh, coaching each other. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I always appreciate because I'm a big wrestling fan too, and I'm actually watching AEW tomorrow night at the Inmark Arena. But, oh, cool. Yeah, he uh, he's always stayed humble. He's never let it seem like he's never gotten a big head. And like you mm -hmm. said about showing the uh, the true life story, I think he's smart enough to realize the real story is our flaws and what we overcome to make success out of this life. That's right. That's right. And he's a, I mean, you see him on set with Kevin Hart. He's able to laugh at himself also. That, yeah, he's, actually, he's very, uh, was it, poke jokes at himself to him with self demeaning or whatever. He's always making mm -hmm. himself. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see Black Adam, see him in that role in Black Adam and seeing if they cut me out or not. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other future projects you still about to work on or? Um, you know, I just love Savannah so much. I enjoyed doing the uh, River Queen commercial, the Savannah Queen commercial. Um, that, that was exciting. Uh, I, I think when you see 
not only yourself, but the other Savannah actors uh, on stage with you in, in a commercial like that. And we've done Enmark commercials. You know, just our whole family back there just growing. Mm-hmm. Seeing the casting directors uh, for Chetty Casting now, Bill Marinella, and the other casting directors. It's, it's great that Savannah is blowing up right now. Yeah, it's huge now. Oh, oh, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. So just looking forward to more growth, looking forward to more roles and looking forward to more projects. Yeah, um, I noticed so a lot of like the Atlanta area, obviously they're big with the Netflix shows and all. Are any of those shows starting to trickle their way down here? Because I heard about a show called Panhandle they're filming. It might mm-hmm. be on TV. And I think that's going to be the next big one. And luckily they're filming it here in Savannah. Yeah, I know there are other projects in Atlanta that once in a while they would shoot a scene and go down to Jekyll Island or, or Tybee Island and shoot some scenes down there and then run back up to Atlanta. So I think the word is getting out about our region okay, and the industry in, in our region. Yeah, I know The Walking Dead did that, I think, with all those beach scenes. They were Jekyll area, weren't they? Yes, yes, yes. yes. I, I was a kingdom guard. I tried to get on The Walking Dead as a zombie. And you know the guy told me, I was too fat. <laughs> and, and it's like, just tell me the truth. I know I don't have hair. Just say I don't have hair. I don't have long hair. So they made me a kingdom guard instead. Okay. <laughs> so I was still able to get on it and ran right past the main actors. So that was pretty cool. I think that I think, I don't know if you saw it in WTOC, I think there's a call for Fear the Walking Dead soon in town too. I think I saw that also. It's interesting. It's nice to see uh Exactly. Like you said, we're definitely booming. And when I first moved here, I think Glory had just hit the film. But then, of course, then two years later, it all blew up with Forrest Gump. And since then, it's been just going and going and going. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Just project after project. And I think it's about to explode. Yeah. The film industry is about to explode. People are talking about it in Atlanta. People are talking about it in North Carolina. They're talking about it in L.A. I find it too because I mean I know like you said like the new Halloween movies they did part two in Wilmington part one in Charleston and I think they at least did pickup shots here in Savannah didn't they? So yeah, yeah. I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just uh, like you said all this you know senior thesis stuff at SCAD and all. All it takes is one of those kids to do a a huge million dollar movie, and Savannah will be the best thing ever. We're just waiting on for that one that one star director. And we're there. Yeah, with that, with our region, is just amazing what, what is happening right now. And you have to be excited about what's happening right now. And for those people who are running away from fear, I encourage them to turn around because our industry wants you because you have something inside of you once you learn how to get through that fear and get to the other side to success, you're going to be doing okay, but you just got to keep moving forward. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, oh, also, um, so when you're an extra Usually how many days are you on the set? It just depends on the film or? It depends on the scene and what they need you for. Um, you, you look at a movie that started off like Baywatch. You know, they didn't need hundreds of people in a police office scene. 
Right. You know, they, Dwayne Johnson, they had Zach Efron, who were doing their comedy skit. They had the sergeant. They had several of us doing around. Um, I had a couple of convicts at my desk sitting down. So probably in the scene, there were probably about 15 people. But then two days later, they had a beach scene. You need hundreds of people. Right. You know, the beach way down there. You know, you have a yacht scene. That's not going to be a hundred of people again. Right. But then select the ones who look good because they want you, uh, you know, some some good looking people on a nice yacht like that. Right. So they they had people in their 20s and 30s. And uh, I was fortunate to get in that group. They, they looked at the older crowd and said, well, you don't look like them. Thankful that I cut my hair off so you don't see any gray or anything. They say, well, why are you going with the young crowd? And I said, great. <laughs> That's where my spirit is anyway. Now, as long as you do like one, I guess to get a sad card, do you have to do a speaking role or you can just be in the background? Well, well, speaking role gets you SAG eligible. Okay. SAG eligible. Um, I think that did happen on Baywatch. We had a, a gentleman who was like me, who was background and he was playing like he was a, a guard. Uh, protecting a certain area of the hotel and uh, in one scene um, two of the actors had to kiss because they were in an area that they weren't supposed to be in and the director came by and looked at the guard and said hey you would tell them to get out of here you wouldn't just stand there quietly so go ahead and tell them to move on and he did that they said roll it and he said hey hey you people get out of here get her out of here and sure enough that person couldn't leave until he signed a contract and probably made 900 bucks okay. for the few lines so i was able to get sag eligible from a project last summer uh because of the scenes that we were doing and it was three consecutive days that's what helped me okay. to get eligible but sometimes you not always want to just get your sag card because uh you know there are dues that the, right. the high actors are paying um, and everyone has to pay. They give you insurance and everything. But also, once you get your SAG card, I don't believe that you can do any non-union work. Okay. There's a lot of non-union work. So, and if yeah. you're not a big name, I'm not Denzel. Mm -hmm. So you'll need some of these non-union jobs to, you know, to continue to build my career, even though I started late in life. Um, so that that's how that part of it works okay i was asking because i had a teacher in high school he actually was the lighting double for dennis quaid and something to talk about so he did mm -hmm. all that for like two weeks and then they needed extras and he did something in the background so he was debating whether or not to sign for the sad card and like you said all the insurance and he's like a really he's a spanish teacher in high school he's like i can't afford mm -hmm. <laughs> but he mm -hmm. got the part he got noticed and he said he got on the screen so oh that's great that's great yeah, once, once I was eligible, I talked with my agent about it. And he said, Tony, he said, that's like going from Little League to the Big League. Okay. And I said, I don't want that yet. Yeah. I'll get there. I'm not want that yet. Get there, go through the minor leagues first, right? Earn it, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's how you develop. You develop. Okay. So it's all, it's all good, you know. But, um, you know, just the experiences that I've had, um, and then again, I usually get called for CIA, FBI, DNA. I was a secret service agent for a Viola Davis 
and um, the first ladies. Oh wow! Was that was very nice just being on set with her. But again, yeah, she's an incredible actress or actor. Oh, blowing up! So incredible! Yeah. I'm so glad for her. I'm so proud of her and what she's done in her career. Um, the the steps that she has taken is just phenomenal, and I'm hoping to be there like Mark William, William Mark McCullough again hoping to be on set with Viola one day with a couple of speaking lines. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's just a friendly guy next door, right? <laughs> it was just a friendly guy next door. Good morning, Ms. Viola. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> but most likely I'll be taking someone down, tackling someone in my police uniform. Yeah. Um, do you ever feel like typecast it? The fact that I always give you the same roles or hey, it's another... You know Again, I learned from William Mark McCullough that there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. If that's what gets you on screen. If that's what, what, what's wrong with that? If someone yeah. types you and they continue to bring you on in that role over and over again, and you're working and getting paid and your name is blowing up, nothing wrong with that at all. Right. So you just learn how to perfect that look then, I guess, right? That you get more calls. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, if once before FBI agent secret service, I'll get, get my badge out of my glove compartment and be right there. There you go, exactly. Whatever CSI they need you for, right? <laughs> yeah. They, okay. they need, need a mean cop. Or now, The interesting thing, is, and this is the same thing that Mark said also, he was a lawyer, a real lawyer, and then he went to try to get a role as a lawyer, and they mm. didn't book said something like, oh, nobody would believe that you're a lawyer. <laughs> and he was a lawyer. Do you yeah. know I put project for a college football coach and I didn't get the, the role it's like <laughs> hey show you video of my games that I coach what what does it take for me to get a college football job on the on the big screen what the heck yeah I got soccer job coaching soccer against the rock <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the directors just have some particular image stuck in their head it sounds like yeah they do they do but sometimes they need help um Movies and all, I mean, thankfully, it looks like COVID's finally going away. And, you know, the big, like, Thor just got released. So we're finally going back to the theater. Well, Maverick as well blew up. Oh, Maverick was great. Yeah, I loved it. I saw Elvis last week. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that Austin kid. Unbelievable. Yeah, he was Elvis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, uh, that kid is about to blow up with that one. Exactly. It's a good call. Uh, but, yeah, with all these streaming services and all, do you think the big screen – is going away or streaming good for an actor like in your case he gets the little little what's a less known director out there a chance to get their film out there quicker and next to the big star movies on hbo max well they get a chance to get them out there but you know i, I don't think that the streaming is going to replace the movie theater because everybody loves to get out old school and get popcorn and sit in a big chair and watch the big screen I think streaming is going to replace the news okay. and, and other shows that really aren't important. Right. Streaming is going to replace, but everybody, I don't think mo most of the people I know went to the big screen to see Tom Cruise yeah. and, they, you know, and everybody's going out to the theater to see Elvis. Yeah. So I think if you have something that's, people know is worth watching. I think Black Adam is going to be great. It's going to be yeah. big worldwide event. I think people are going to get out to a movie theater to see that. 
So say, yeah, I got you. So there's still going to be the big blockbusters out there that we're still going to oh. go see. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, actually, I've seen Maverick twice now. That movie. Did you see it twice? Yeah, yeah I, I took to my dad to see it since he's former military. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a perfect candy action movie. Everything you want in a film. It's all there. Right. That numbers. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, no, I actually wasn't going to see Maverick. It was a rainy day. And I just thought it was just going to be some wish wash movie. Okay, okay. But it's raining. I'm stuck. I'm going to see it. And it was fantastic. I'm so glad that it was raining that day. Great job. Tom just cleaned it up again. And the cast just cleaned it up. And it was just so amazing. I recommend everyone go and see that movie. Yeah, and you said Elvis, too, my uh, one of my coworkers. I think he saw it the day after me, and his wife was so moved by it. She cried all the way home because she didn't realize Elvis had that hard of a life. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Isn't, isn't that amazing that I, I think I left the theater having more respect for Elvis, knowing what he went through? Hell yeah. Knowing that he did not try to steal people's music like people had said in the past. Yeah. He actually wanted to give Black gospel credit, Black uh, musicians credit you know he wasn't into stealing people's lines or movies or anything like that and uh he was friends with a lot of people mm-hmm. open with a lot of people um so just yeah that that young man he's going to be up for an award oh yeah yeah and uh, yeah i think you hit on it too i really liked i really liked the way how they showed his friendship with bb king because mm-hmm. my let's well, see what i was born in 77 so uh two months after he had passed I'd always heard that, you know, he had stole black culture. You know, he was still in, you know, R&B from B.B. Uh, King, uh, all those. But yeah, to see he was actually there, friends with him, it was the way he grew up. It was his neighborhood. And it just right. he expressed himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. He did that perfectly in that film. Right, right. And I, I think it also should remind people that in order to get to know other people talking about black and white, yeah. you got to be around them. You want to be around them. Yeah. They're people. Like all of us, right? we're all the same, mm-hmm. you know. That too, and I was surprised too, not to give away the end, but how he dealt with Colonel Parker. Like my coworker was saying, Elvis loved performing for everybody so much. He let himself get messed over in a way. Yeah, you don't you don't want to give it away though. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> give it away though. But like he so easily could have just had his mafia take care of you know that guy. <laughs> hey, I'm from New Jersey. Remember that. Yeah. We can take them out. We can take them out of <laughs> like, you. Like Sinatra. Sinatra would not have done that. It would have been a different story. <laughs> oh, goodness. My goodness. You're going back now. Oh, yeah. Well, um, um, by, I guess, essence, my, my father's side of the family is Italian, so my grandfather, Sinatra, is mm-hmm. like king to him. He actually saw right. him in Vegas before he uh, passed, and that was like his happiest moment. Said wow. he lost his voice a little bit, but at least he saw the man perform live, you know? Oh. Goodness, what a what a moment was that? Yeah, you know? like she put up there with him, Aretha Franklin, you know, BB King, all those, or maybe mm-hmm. Elvis themselves too. Just the honor to see people like that, you know. And you know, when when you talk about Elvis, what I also liked about Sinatra when I read more about his relationship with Sammy Davis yeah. Jr. and the places that Sinatra would not perform in exactly. because they wouldn't Sammy Davis Jr. either perform or stay there exactly or. And Sinatra, he was hot. Yeah. And yeah. let him know. He called people up and said, 
strike me off. I won't ever go back there again. Yep. He was like, is that big brother protector for Sammy? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, to me, that's a man. Exactly. Don't care what color you are. He's my friend. Exactly. That doesn't matter. Your honor and your integrity matters most. And if you're a good man, take care of him. Well, well, that's what you learn from that experience and from Elvis. Once you see Elvis, you, you, you go and you learn from that experience. And then when we we're in 2022 right now, we stop acting foolish toward each other. Right. And talk to one another and get to know each other. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, there's a lot of adults that don't talk it out anymore. They just want to be on their side. And if you're not on their side, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Both sides are two sides of every coin, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Well, um, it's been about an hour. Thank you for doing the podcast. Um, is there any social media or anything uh, fans to uh, follow you on? Uh, I'm old school, Brian. You know, I got I, I have Facebook, so they'll probably follow me if I put something your podcast on Facebook. Okay. I think I already put it on there to let people know I was going to be on your podcast tonight. Okay. Thank you. So, and I'll, I'll make sure people see it. Okay. Well, thank you for doing the podcast, and um. I'll send you the episode when it's ready. Thank you, sir. You have hey, a good- it's a pleasure. God bless. God bless. See you now. So I'd like to thank Anthony Vance Pierce one more time. You are an incredible interview and so uplifting. Uh, thank you again. And until next time, everyone have a good night. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please subscribe so that you may get all future episodes. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching for The Opinionated Optimist.